Good morning. Welcome to Lighthouse Bible Church Digital Edition. <laughs> Due to the coronavirus, we are suspending all group activities and services at LBC. Um, and we'll have weekly services online like this or possibly pre recorded at the regular time, 10 a.m. on Sundays. Thursday's Bible study and prayer group will be suspended as well, but will return online as soon as possible. These Sunday lessons will also be archived on our website and will be available to watch or listen anytime um, if it's not convenient at 10 a.m. on Sunday. Um, and also, uh, many years of Pastor John's lessons are also archived in case you didn't know, so you may want to go back and listen to some lessons that you missed. Um, I know that you all miss the fellowship that we have here at church and I do as well. So we'll pray that we'll get back to it as soon as possible, as soon as it becomes safe. So Pastor John, as you may know, has re- had a return of his cancer. Um, he had emergency surgery last Monday to remove a tumor, uh, and he's resting and recovering from that. Um, I did get a, uh, a text from Roberta yesterday that he was able to stand for the first time since his surgery, um, and so that's, that's really good news, and we'll continue to pray for him on that. He will be starting a very promising course of treatment, and we'll continue to pray for his quick and, and full recovery. He is in full quarantine for several weeks at least due to infection risks. Until John is able, I will prepare some lessons and deliver them online only or in person when the danger is over. So let's open in prayer. Father, thank you for all the many blessings you have provided for us, most importantly for Jesus Christ, who suffered on the cross to pay for the sins of all mankind and provide the gift of eternal life to those who simply believe and trust in Jesus. We pray for Pastor John's healing, for his family, and blessings on Lighthouse Bible Church and our congregation and our families. We pray for, we also want to keep Margie Pomeroy and her family in prayer as her father passed away earlier this month. We pray today for our country and for all people affected by this virus, for the healthcare workers, essential service workers, and that a treatment or vaccine be developed. Please bless all of us and prepare our minds and hearts today as we seek to learn more about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray, amen. No song service today, of course, as... uh, it's, we're not congregating. Um, as you know, each month we feature a different missionary organization, which we pray for and send support funds. We encourage you to do this as, you, as well in any way that you feel you're able. This month it's Grace Bible Pakistan, the ministry of Faisal and Carrie John. Their ministry exists to serve a group of Christians in Pakistan. They sponsor a school for poor children, an orphanage, and distribute printed material in the local Urdu language. Please pray for this important ministry and support it as the Lord leads. If you want to donate, just go to their website at www.gbcpakistan.org. And it's up on the slides here. Um, Today we're going to be in First Peter, 
Um, and so, I mean, I'm sorry, in Second Peter, beginning in chapter 1 and verse 1. Um, but so when you turn there, um, we're not going to go there right now, but we'll, we'll stay in that book for the whole time. I, I do have some other uh, verses from other books, um, but I'll put them all up on the slides so that you don't have to flip around all over the place. So I did think today that we might need a little wisdom from God to those who may be worried about the effects of this pandemic. If you or someone you care about gets sick, it may not be too, too severe. Uh, lots of people have reported mild symptoms. Also, there can be an uncertainty over financial consequences, loss of job, income, or investments. So I wrote down a few verses we can look at that may help ease the anxiety. So the first one is in Isaiah chapter 41 and verse 10. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And in Matthew eleven twenty-eight, Jesus says, Come to me, all you are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guide your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And finally, in Romans chapter 8, 28, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. So today our lesson is uh, on the book of Second Peter, and um, I'm calling the lesson, Grace and Peace Be Multiplied to You, which is in the first chapter of Second Peter. Sorry. We begin our study of Second Peter by looking at the author who identifies himself in verse 1 as the Apostle Peter. Peter also makes it clear that he is writing to believers in Christ. We learned in 1 Peter chapter 4 and 5 that believers are freed from being slaves to sin and how God provides the armor of God to protect us from evil. Peter continues instruction in godliness in sec- here in 2 Peter. So we'll begin in chapter 1 and verse 1. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours, by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. 
So Peter goes on to tell these believers that grace and peace will be multiplied to them and that they have everything they need for life and godliness through the knowledge of Christ. The word multiplied describes greatly increasing, not just adding, the the blessings of God through knowledge of him and his divine power. Where do we get this knowledge of Christ who calls us today since the apostles and prophets are gone? Well, of course, we get it from God's word. The more we know of God, the more grounds and reasons we have for enjoying grace and peace, and the more we know of God and Jesus our Lord, and the more will our enjoyment of grace and peace be multiplied. And verse 4, For by these he has granted us, granted to us his precious and magnificent promises, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. For by these, meaning God's knowledge and power, as revealed in Scripture, we, believers, can claim the precious and magnificent promises of God and become partakers of the divine nature by escaping the corruption of the world's lust. Peter doesn't say by our knowledge and power, but by his knowledge and power, meaning Christ's knowledge and power. Escaping the corruption and lust of this world is impossible without the divine power that comes by the Holy Spirit through faith in Christ and knowledge of his word. And in verse 5, Now, for this very reason also, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge, and in your knowledge, self-control, and in your self-control, perseverance, and in your perseverance, godliness, and in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. So applying diligence in faith to supply moral excellence requires knowledge of God's word. And self-control is obtaining and applying that knowledge And we have the promise of the Holy Spirit to help with that, which we'll see in a minute. Perseverance is sticking with it even when it's difficult and getting back up when you fall. This results in godliness, which is respect and obedience to our Lord. Kindness comes from godliness, as the word commands, in Colossians 3, verse 12. So those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. So even though we know that none of us are truly good by God's standards, I think kindness comes more easily to some than others. That's why we need the Holy Spirit to guide us along on this as he surely will if we let him. And Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22. Once again, these verses are all going to be up on the slides. Galatians chapter 5, 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. 
and against such things there is no law. So love is the highest command of God and also is also the fruit of the Spirit in the Christian's life. Jesus said it in Matthew 22, verse 36 and following. Teacher, what is the great commandment of the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. So back to Peter chapter, 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 8. For these qualities are yours and are increasing. If these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. For in this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be abundantly supplied to you. Abundantly supplied to you. Well, that's a lot to digest. Obviously, Peter is exhorting believers to use diligence to apply the knowledge we learn from God's word and exercise self-control. Perseverance, godliness, kindness, and love in our lives. If we practice these qualities, we will not be useless or unfruitful in our Christian walk. Fortunately, we don't have to do all of this by our own power, but we have the Holy Spirit to guide and empower us. As as Paul writes in Romans chapter 5, verse 3 through 5, again up on the slides. And not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, perseverance proven character, proven character hope, meaning confidence. Confident assurance is the word elpis, which is uh, the word for hope here. And hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Peter goes on to say that if we lack these, we are blind, meaning we need more of God's word to see, or we are short-sighted, lazy taking the fleshly easy way out, and not remembering Christ's sacrifice for our sin or what we are called to do as Christians. And Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says this is what we were created for, according to Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Continuing in verses 
10 and 11 in Second uh, Peter, it is said that if we are diligent about Christ's calling, we will be kept from stumbling along as in the old fleshly way and will have abundant rewards when we enter the kingdom of God. So how can we be diligent in these things? Since we know from Ephesians 2.10 that God created us for these good works, we can be sure he would provide a way for us to do that. And that way is to learn and study his word and let the spirit guide us in our Christian walk. Will we be perfect? No, no way. No way there is only one who is perfect, and that's our Lord. We still need, we, we will still be in our fleshly bodies, and we just need to be diligent to continue to take in the word and apply it to our daily life. We know that as believers in Christ that we have eternal security so that we can be sure that even if we don't obey this completely, or if we fail in some way, we will still have eternal life and enter the kingdom of God. So we understand this is about living according to his commands and receiving greater small rewards at the judgment seat of Christ. And going on in Second Peter chapter 1, verse 12, Therefore, I will always be ready to remind you of these things, even though you already know them and have been established in the truth which is present with you. I consider it right, as long as I am in this earthly dwelling, his body, to stir you up by way of reminder, knowing that the laying aside of my earthly dwelling is imminent, as also our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. And I will also be diligent that at any time after my departure, you will be able to call these things to mind. So the pressures and challenges of the world are continually tugging at us and competing for our attention. Here, Peter is telling these believers that even though they already know these things, he is continually reminding them since he knows that he will die at some point and wants to be sure that they remember all they have been taught. This is why we can never think we have learned enough of God's word and his plans and promises for our life as believers. Moving on to verse 16, for we did not follow cleverly devised tales tales when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, such an utterance as this was made to him by the majestic glory. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And we ourselves heard this utterance made from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. Jesus received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the Father's excellent glory. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him on the holy mount. Peter and James and John were with Christ on the Mount of Transfiguration. Peter here bears 
his witness that they were not deceived when they bowed down before Christ and worshipped him as Lord, nor were they deluded in expecting his coming and believing in his power. We can read about the transfiguration in Matthew chapter 17, verses 1 through 5. So Matthew chapter 17, beginning at verse 1, six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his garments became white as light in his resurrection body. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be be here. If you wish, I will make three tabernacles here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. So back to verse 19. So we have the prophetic word made more sure, to which you do well to pay attention, as to a lamp shining in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your hearts. But know this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit, spoke from God. So here it is explained that in addition to Peter being an eyewitness to the transfiguration of our Lord Jesus Christ in his perfect resurrection body, we also have the prophetic word, which is a lamp shining in a dark place. This prophecy guides believers until the actual prophecy is fulfilled and was not made by human will or interpretation, but by prophets inspired by the Holy Spirit. Moving on to Second uh, Peter chapter 2. So chapter 2, the message brings a warning against being deceived by false prophets and against the heresies that some will espouse and teach. Judgment is proclaimed for these bad actors, And we are assured that God will be able to rescue the righteousness from these temptations while reserving the unrighteous for judgment. So I'm going to read uh, 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 19. You can read along. It's It's a long passage with a lot of information. So starting in chapter 1. But false prophets also arose among the people, Just as there will also be false teachers among you who will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing swift destruction upon themselves. Many will follow in their sensuality, and because of them, the way of the truth will be maligned. And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their judgment from long ago is not idle, And their destruction is not asleep. 
For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to pits of darkness reserved for judgment, and did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a preacher of righteousness, with seven others when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly. And you can read about this in in Genesis chapter 6, about the flood. We're not going to go there now. And continuing, and if he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to destruction by reducing them to ashes, having made them an example to those who would live ungodly lives thereafter, and if he rescued righteous Lot, oppressed by the sensual conduct of unprincipled men, For by what he saw and heard, that righteous man, while living among them, felt his righteous soul tormented day after day by their lawless deeds. The Lord knows how to rescue the godly from temptation and to keep the unrighteous under punishment for the day of judgment. And especially those who indulge the flesh in its corrupt desires and despise authority. Daring, self-willed, they do not tremble when they revile angelic majesties. Whereas angels who are greater in might and power do not bring a reviling judgment against them before the Lord. But these, like unreasoning animals, born as creatures of instinct to be captured and killed, reviling where they have no knowledge, will, in the destruction of those creatures, also be destroyed." Suffering wrong as the wages of doing wrong, they count it a pleasure to revel in the daytime. They are stains and blemishes, reveling in their deception as they carouse with you. Having eyes full of adultery that never cease from sin, enticing unstable souls, having a heart trained in greed, accursed children, forsaking the right way, they have gone astray, having followed the way of Balaam, son of Beor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness, but he received a rebuke for his own transgression. For a mute donkey, speaking with the voice of a man, restrained the madness of the prophet. These are springs without water and mists driven by a storm, for whom the black darkness has been reserved. For speaking out arrogant words of vanity, they entice by fleshly desires, by sensuality, those who barely escape from the ones who live in error, promising them freedom while they themselves are slaves of corruption. For by what a man is overcome, by that he is enslaved. Wow, a lot. Verses 119, 1 through 19 explain and describe some types of false teachers and unrighteous men and acts that will occur, and the judgment that will certainly come for them. Matthew mentions the fate of the devil and his fallen angels in Matthew 25, verse 41. Then he will also say to those on his left, Depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. So Peter has been, in these past verses, gives examples of the flood and Sodom and Gomorrah where God separated the righteous for deliverance and the unrighteous for judgment. As believers, 
We must heed this lesson and be on guard against heresy and false teaching. False teaching can be anything from cults, such as Sahari Krishna, Jehovah's Witness, or to teachers who profess to be Christian but teach doctrines that are taken out of context from the Bible or add to it from non-biblical works such as the Book of Mormon. Any teaching that does not have a solid base in Scripture or taken in the wrong context must be rejected as false. In verses 12 through 19 here talks about the unrighteous who think that they have freedom to engage in adultery and other sinful behavior and how they are enslaved by that. Better to be enslaved by Christ, enslaved to Christ, and be free of the slavery to the flesh. Moving on to uh, verse 20 in 2 Peter chapter 2. For if they have escaped the defilements of the word by the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again, and they are again entangled in them and are overcome, the last state has become worse for them than the first. For it would be better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn away from the holy command, commandment handed to them. It has happened to them according to the true proverb, a dog returns to its own vomit and a sow after washing returns to wallowing in the mire. These last three verses in chapter 2 are fairly difficult to resolve. Peter is obviously talking about false teachers here who had heard about Christ and the gospel but who never really believed and accepted it as the truth. Therefore, they turned to a false gospel and rejected the true faith to their great peril. It seems that once they turned away and embraced a false religion, it would be much more difficult to return to the truth as their hearts would be hardened against it. So this is not talking about believers who went away from the faith or backsliding or any of that. It's talking about um, people who had heard and maybe joined the church and listened for a while and, and heard the truth and then they decided they were going to go some other way and they never really accepted the gospel of Jesus Christ. So now we're going to flip right on over to chapter 3. Chapter 3 adds some additional clarification to the of the false teachers, which will continue to plague the world, the world in the later times, as well as exhortations to remember the prophecies we have learned and continue in diligent learning of God's word. He goes on to remind us that the judgment and return of Christ foretold in the scriptures are real, regardless of any scoffer's claims to the contrary. Just as the great flood happened, even though most people scoffed at Noah when he was building the ark. Their rejection of the truth made them blind. So, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1. This is now, beloved, the second letter I am writing to you, in which I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder 
that you should remember the words spoken beforehand by the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior spoken by your apostles. Know this, first of all, that in the last days mockers will come with their mocking following after their own lusts and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. For when they maintain this, it escapes their notice that by the word of God, the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and by water, through which the world at that time was destroyed, being flooded by water, again in Genesis 6. But by his word, the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. But do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like one day. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. And repentance here means turning to Christ. So Peter is reminding us that even though the world seems stable, although maybe today it doesn't seem that stable, but Peter is reminding that even the world, though the world seems stable, as it has been for thousands of years, the Lord's timing is longer than human timing, as he wishes all to come to repentance, faith in Christ. These false teachers and secular humanists attempt to prove the Bible prophecy wrong, but will be destroyed at the return of our Lord. <clears throat> Continuing in verse 10, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, in which the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat, and the earth and its works will be burned up. Since all these things are be to, to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning, and the elements will melt with intense heat? But according to his promise, we are looking for a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you look for these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, spotless and blameless, in regard to the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, wrote to you, as also in all his letters, speaking in them of these things, which are some things hard to understand, which the untaught and unstable distort, as they do also the rest of the scriptures to their own destruction. So, <clears throat> being found in peace, spotless and blameless, refers to salvation which believers receive forever at the moment they place their faith in Jesus Christ. This is really a, a, it's a, call to, uh, a call to the gospel, a call to uh, have faith in Christ. The Lord is patient in delaying judgment, wishing for all to come to faith in Christ. You, therefore, beloved, 
knowing this beforehand, be on your guard so that you are not carried away by the error of unprincipled men and fall from your own steadfastness. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and the day of eternity, to the day of eternity. So what we can take away from the last part of chapter 3 is that sometimes things can be hard to understand, but be skeptical of teaching on these things, especially if they seem to contradict the basic doctrines we have learned. It's better to have a question on these than to accept false teaching that is inconsistent with the gospel of Jesus Christ. For example, anyone who teaches that Christ is not God or that God only chose certain ones for salvation must be immediately rejected. So the best way to avoid these false teachings is to remember and apply Second Peter's last verse, grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And summarizing the things that we've talked about here, Peter's addressing believers in this book. So it's, it's taught to believers. And uh, grace and peace are multiplied through his power by knowledge of God and Christ. And use diligence to learn and apply God's word. Also, use diligence in moral excellence, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, kindness, love, knowing that you have the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And this will render us useful and fruitful in our Christian walk. We were created for good works. In Ephesians 2.10, it tells us we were created for these things. Beware of false teachers and false teaching, and God will deliver the righteous and will judge the unrighteous. And he gives you the armor of God for one little tool of deliverance. And uh, be skeptical of any teaching that seems to go against the main points of the gospel. And grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Examine the scriptures yourselves. Always check up on what you are being taught. I know, that was a lot, right? I should have split that up into two, I think. (laughs) Anyway, uh, as we close our service today, if anyone has not yet believed in Christ as your personal Savior, now is the time to make that decision. We know that we cannot earn or deserve salvation or eternal life, as Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9 tells us, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and not of yourselves, It is a gift of God and not from works so that no one can boast. And John 5, 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word, believes in him who sent me, has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but has passed out of life into death, passed out of death into life. And in John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. 
So God has made salvation so simple that all you have to do is close your eyes and tell God, I believe that Jesus died on the cross to save me from my sins, was resurrected by God, and trust in him as my Lord and Savior. And I said, close your eyes. I don't think you really have to close your eyes. You just, you just got to believe and accept Christ. So Lighthouse Bible Church, as you know, is a grace ministry and is supported by gifts from believers who desire to support the teaching of God's word. We don't ask for pledges of money, and we don't pass the plate. But our ministry does have needs of salary for the pastor, building expenses, utilities, and missionary support. So keep that in your thoughts and prayers. If God puts it on your heart to help support this ministry, please mail a check or donate online. Um, and the uh, I don't have the website up there, but it's... Uh, www.lbible.org O-R-G L-B-I-B-L-E dot O-R-G So let's close in prayer. <clears throat> oh, also I wanted to say um, continue, check the website daily for any updates that we might uh, have about services or pastor or anything else. Okay, let's close in prayer. Father, thank you for allowing us to worship you and study your word today. And we ask that you bless us with your loving grace and answer our prayers as we leave today. Help us to keep the confidence and the blessings we have in Christ at the forefront of our mind when we are experiencing the struggles and disappointments that life can bring. We pray for the healing of Pastor John, for our church, and for our country and all who are suffering. We pray for everyone impacted by the virus that a solution and recovery will be swift. In the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. And thanks for watching.